That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Yo, yo, what's up? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of That Sober Guy Podcast. If you missed last week's episode with Jason McKenzie, I highly encourage you to go check that out. It's episode 84. Very powerful message in that. It was great to talk with him. This week, I have another phenomenal guest for you. This guy wrote a shitload of books, and he sold a shitload of books. Over 500 million copies. I said that right, 500 million. I had to go back and check that because I did the the triple take when I first read that. That's an unbelievable amount of of books, and uh, that's half a billion right there, half a billion books. So just to fathom that amount, it took me a couple of minutes to process. His name is Jack Canfield. He's the co-author of the number one New York Times bestselling Chicken Soup for the Soul series. And he sold more than 115 million copies of that series in 47 different languages. He's also known as America's number one success coach. Uh, He's written a number of books. Uh, Another one you may know is The Success Principles. Jack and Dave Andrews co-authored The 30-Day Sobriety Solution, uh, which is really an alternative way to help get sober and to to clean up and and have a positive, healthy lifestyle um, in the comfort of your own home. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that and what that looks like inside the book and what it looks like out in real life, applying it to real life situations and, and some of the feedback that they've received from this book. Now, this isn't a battle between AA, um, you know, Celebrate Recovery, Narcotics Anonymous. It's not a battle. So we're not talking about replacing any of those by any means. Those organizations saved my ass. They saved my life and I continue to use them as resources. This is an alternative to that. It's just something else. And I love exploring as technology advances and as different ways, different generations are coming up. This thing called addiction is affecting so many lives around our country, so many lives around the world that I think it's really ignorant for us to sit back and only say, you know, oh, there's, this is the only way that this is going to work. This is the only way that you can go about this and be successful at it. There's other ways out there. There's other things and some things work for some people and some things don't. We're also going to talk about tapping a little bit in this. Uh, something I didn't know very much about at all. In fact, I still don't know too much about, but I know more than I knew before I talked to Jack. And uh, it's it's something that you can do to help with resentments, with addictions, with past childhood trauma. Uh, he talks a little bit about this and shares some information on where you can find more out about tapping. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So we're going to get to Jack's interview in just a minute. First, a word from our sponsors. At Foundations Recovery Network. Our mission is to create lifetime relationships for long-term recovery. In our history of doing good is the promise of your future getting better. So if you or someone you love needs help, please know we are here to help. And the sign on our door says, we care. We create an individualized treatment plan for the whole person, for the whole you, because to us, you matter. The first step to recovery is heroic. We know that. And with our heroes in recovery movement, we honor those who have taken that step toward recovery. 
and stand up for you and stand beside you and stand together to break the stigma placed on addiction. Call our confidential and private line at 877-714-1318. We are here to help you. And help has a phone number, 877-714-1318. Make the call. We're listening. We're Foundations Recovery Network. Check out Foundations Recovery Network. Awesome folks, great people, just a solid organization with many resources for your recovery. So be sure to check them out. Uh, Also, are you looking for an app, a sobriety tracker app, something that can help keep you on point, maybe track how many days of sobriety you have, track how much money you've saved. It'll also send you a nice little motivational quote in the morning. I set mine for 5 a.m. And I get a motivational quote every single morning through this app. And the app is called I Am Sober. I Am Sober is a motivational companion app for tracking your sobriety. Along with tracking your sobriety, it helps you to reach key milestones like seven days or one month and send you daily motivation along the way. You can also combine your stats with sober clubs and meet fellow sobriety seekers. You can find it on the App Store, on Google Play, or you can visit IamSoberApp.com. You can also find it in the show notes of this episode. So check that out. Definitely, man. Nick and the team over there are super cool. They've put in a lot of hard work. They've gotten a lot of feedback on what what people want, and they've really been able to listen to that and upgrade the app. Um, you know, and I, I I personally use it, so I wouldn't represent it if I didn't personally use it and personally like it. And it's great to wake up to a motivational quote. That's probably my my favorite thing on the app. Let's see how much money I've saved also on this app. I think I I estimated mine somewhere out at about fifteen dollars a day. And let's see, as of today, I have saved $14,670 being sober. That's two years, eight months, and five days. So pretty cool thing. Check it out. I am sober app. I am sober app.com. Couple more things, and then we'll get to Jack Canfield. Become a member of that sober guy community. Go to that sober and join today. You'll get access to live meetings, access to the private Facebook group. Great things going on in there. You can also search that Sober Guy, Sober Girl on Facebook and request to add there. It's a great place to hold accountability, to bounce some ideas off if you're going through something. If you got some positive quotes, some uh, some love you want to send in there, you can all do that in the Facebook private group. It's got some awesome people in there. Last but not least, let's do the iTunes review of the week. This one comes from Ty. Ty, thanks, man. You and I have talked a couple times before, man, and I just appreciate the review. It says, Shane is a down-to-earth bro who shares openly and honestly. The content and guests are both relevant and inspiring. This is a wonderful service in getting and keeping us all sober and moving towards emotional sobriety. Ty, thanks again, man. I really do appreciate that. That does mean a lot to me, and it helps me to really continue on in this effort, man. It's, it's not easy, man. I have my own struggles, my own things I deal with, and you guys all out there in the Sober Guy community really help to hold me accountable and to help me move along the way, so... Uh, you know, just reading some some positive words like that, Ty, really, uh, really is special to me, man. So thank you. Now, without further ado, let's get to Mr. Jack Canfield. All right, welcome to the show today. We're talking with Jack Canfield. Uh, Jack is best known for co-authoring the number one New York Times bestselling Chicken Soup for the Soul series. Um, Jack, you've sold a ton of books. Um, I'm sure you talk about this often. Actually, over 500 million. I had to do the triple take when I first looked at that number 
to, <laughs> that's a shitload of books, man. I'm just going to say it. Um, I think you also had held the Guinness World Record for having seven books on the New York Times bestseller list at the same time. Is that still uh, still true? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, basically, Chicken Soup for the Soul, when it first came out, we did not go right to the top of the bestseller list. We uh, took 14 months to get there. And then the first book stayed there for three years. And then we just kept bringing books out. And uh, second helping, third serving, fourth course, whatever, uh, Chicken Soup for the Woman's Soul, Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul, Chicken Soup for the Soul in Recovery. We actually have a book on that. And uh so they all got up there and stayed there for a long, long time. But yeah, that one Saturday in May, I forget what year, 97 or something like that, we had seven books on the New York Times at the same time. Wow. The reason we got to 500 million is that uh, in China, they decided to use the book to teach English uh, to kids in high school. So wow. 300 million of those books have been printed in China and used with uh, Chinese on one page and English on the facing page so the kids could learn English and um, their stories are just much more interesting than you know the usual sure. stuff you have to read about Shakespeare and history and all that. Sure, sure. And I, I actually learned recently too, and I have to say this from my father-in-law, who's a huge Dodger fan. I know there was a Chicken Soup for the Soul book that was affiliated with Tommy Lasorda. Is that right? That's right. We did Chicken Soup <laughs> for the Baseball Fan Soul, yeah. and Tommy Lasorda was the co-author. Yeah, it was myself, Mark Victorianson, and Tommy. That's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome stuff yeah. right there. Well, today. Um, you and Dave Andrews also co-authored the 30-Day Sobriety Solution, which we're going to get into a bit. Um, first, Jack, I'd really like to get to know a little bit more about you. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your younger self? And then um, maybe tell us how alcohol, tobacco really played a role in your childhood. Um, I, I, had heard, sure. I had heard the story, man, of, um, of you hiding in the radio. And, and that, that really hit home with me. Um, just just right. coming from some similar circumstances. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, so my first father was uh, alcoholic. He got very angry when he drank and he drank quite a bit. He was in the military for a number of years. And I think the pressure and the tension of all that. Um, and so he would, and my mother was also an alcoholic. They both drank quite a bit, but he was the one that got angry. And so when he would get angry, he would get violent and somehow take a belt to us kids. And so I remember whenever he would start drinking, we would figure out where do we go? Can we get out of the house? Can we hide somewhere? And I, we had a radio in the attic. These old radios used to come up like, I don't know, three or four feet off the ground. And it was a speaker in the bottom, a little tiny tube radio at the top. And most of it was just an empty shell. And I would get in there and pull it back against the wall and I would hide wow. until he went to bed. And I'd hear him, you know, roaring around, where are you? I'm going to find you, you know. Oh, my of course, the next morning he would forget, you know, we would be hung over. But um, that was the safe place to be. And I've spent many an hour <laughs> yeah. in that radio. Um, was, was he was he very uh, was he very apologetic the next day or was it just like it didn't didn't existed? Never. Existed. I think it's more like it didn't exist. I, I think yeah. it's just one of those things we didn't talk about. I remember sure, sure. my my aunt, who was an alcoholic as well. I remember being at my cousin's house overnight a number of times and. One day she was so drunk after you know cocktails that she literally just fell face forward into her mashed potatoes. Uh, and my uncle just came over, picked her up, took her upstairs. I assume washed her face off, put her to bed, came back down. No one talked about it. Wow. And it was one of those things that nobody mentioned. It just was so weird and so uncomfortable. And because people were all in denial back then, yeah, you know, yeah. a lot of the day, it just never got never got talked about. So it was it was it was that unspoken 
thing. I remember a party when I was, uh, I was probably in eighth grade freshman when my parents had a bunch of people over and one of the rich guys in town was one of their friends and he brought over a case of champagne and they all drank this champagne. And I remember waking up the next morning after this loud party in our house going downstairs and there must've been four couples passed out on the living room floor, the living room couch. That wasn't an everyday occurrence, but that was not uncommon for something like that to happen. And my dad was the hangover. Well, what happened? My mom got divorced from my dad after six because I was six because he was so violent and started hitting her. So she got out of there. My stepfather drank quite a bit as well, but he was the guy who went around after it was a party in the neighborhood. He would go to everyone's houses and he would bring uh, his hangover kit, you know, and make Bloody Marys. And I mean, so so alcohol was just a huge, huge, huge part of the culture of my family growing up. Sure. You know, being a parent, you've dealt with with some addictions with your you have two boys, I think. Is that right? I have three sons, or three sons. two of which two, two of which the oldest one who's now 43 um, in his 20s became addicted to heroin. And I was I got divorced from his mom when he was two. And so she got custody of the children and I got divorced because she was somewhat, you know, crazy. And um, he ended up growing up with her and because of the pressure and the stress of that world, began drinking at a very early age and then got into uh, marijuana and then to cocaine and then uh, heroin. And the heroin became an addiction as it does because it's a it doesn't take long for the opiates to take over and all of a sudden what used to be pleasurable now is like just avoiding the pain of of detox and so i went through that with him three relapses um he's been sober now for about 10 years uh, he is a sponsor in aa he's doing very very well and i have a grandson with him now is three my youngest son who's 26 got into um drinking and, and marijuana late in high school and then got into it really deeply heavily in college to the point where he showed up. He thought there was a party at this house up in San Francisco where he was going to school and he knocked on the door. No one answered. And he just thought, well, this whatever. He was so stoned. He went in. Turned out it was a private home. Oh, wow. uh, fortunately, it was a single mom without a gun or he might be dead today. Uh, and that's when we said, you know, you're out of college. You're into – we found this place called Sober College, which actually had a college program. But it was really a, 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 a rehab center as well. And he's now been sober for a number of years as well. And he's a sponsor in AA as well. So they both come through it. But, you know, having been to a lot of AA meetings and a lot of rehab centers, you know, I began to have this feeling that – there's some things missing that I think could be useful from the human potential movement, which is what I'd always been in that I thought, you know, this could be helpful. And that's why we wrote the book. Yeah. I, and that was kind of the question I, I had for you too, was, was so part of dealing with the things that you went through as a child growing up with your family and then having to deal with it with your own sons. Um, mm-hmm. Would you say that that's definitely probably uh, some of the inspiring factor on once on what makes you want to help or reach out and help other people as well as uh, kind of bringing it yeah. from a different angle too. Yeah, you know, fortunately, the alcohol gene, if there is one, didn't hit me. Um, you know, I, I I am a social drinker. I maybe have a glass of wine or two on a weekend. Um, but for my kids, it was just like there's no no stop button. I also have a stepdaughter yeah. uh, who also has been through rehab, has been sober for about two years now. And again, just, you know, have one drink, it's all over. You know, just yeah. there's yeah. no stop button. And so I've seen that. And all the things that happened, you know, for her and my two sons and my mother and my dad. And so 
when I met Dave Andrews, who was the co-author of the book, I wasn't really planning to write a book about this. And um, Dave uh, had put together something called the 30-Day Sobriety Solution Coaching Program. It was an online coaching program. And when I met him at a writer's conference, uh, he was talking about his program. I said, tell me about it. And he told me he was getting a 79.6% success rate, whereas AA, only about 20% of people who start going actually stick with it. And with rehab, I think it was between 50 and 30% the average. There are some really wonderful rehab centers that get much better, but a lot of them don't. And so... I said, those are amazing statistics. You can't just share this with 100 people a year in coaching. we got to get this out there as a book. And because I'm well-known as an author, I can help you do that. And I'm passionate about the topic because of my own family. So we spent two years uh, writing the book, testing it just as a book to make sure without the coaching program and all that stuff, it still worked. And we still got a 70, I think with the book, 76% uh, out of our beta group got sober and stayed sober. That's great. And so we said, okay, let's release this. And now with the book, we also have a free companion website that has most of what was in Dave's coaching program as audio programs and video files with uh, tapping, with uh, meditations, with relaxation exercises, forgiveness exercises, interviews. So it really is profoundly – I always tell people you're buying a coaching program in a book. It's worth about 1200 yeah. bucks yeah. for – you know, $28 or whatever it is. So what is the, what is the, um, the response been like from AA members or what, or any, any, cause I know that's always, a, that's always a sketchy topic when you start right. going there right. and, and, yeah. and I'm not leaning on, on one side either way myself. Sure. I'm, I really just am curious, um, um, what, what that has been like. Well, we've had two kind of responses. I think the first thing is some people say, you know, you first of all, the, there's two controversial things about the book. One is it says get get sober in the privacy of your own home, and the subtitle says how to cut back or quit drinking in the privacy of your own home. And so, cutting back is anathema to people in AA. Um, and so, two kind of responses. One is the first uh, we have like 84 reviews on Amazon. I think two are AA members who you know say this is not possible. You got to have a group, and you can't do it. And cutting back is terrible. Uh, the other 82 are all five-star reviews saying, you know, I tried this. I've been sober for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Book came out in January. So, you know, it's been like five or six months since that happened. So basically we're getting positive, positive, positive reviews. The thing that we're also seeing from people in AA is that we wrote this and we said, look, this is a great way to reboot your sobriety. Like a lot of people – like I, I did an interview, I forget with whom, that uh, was a podcast, came to my house. And um, he said, you know, every day I wake up and the monster's always there. Mm. And I said, you know, the funny thing about this program is that for a lot of people, the monster disappears. It literally, the cravings go away. And I said, I'm not, I can't guarantee that would happen for you. But I think that one of the things that is this model of AA is without the human potential movement technology that comes from neuro-linguistic programming, from uh, EFT tapping, from some of the other exercises we use that are really profoundly transformational, uh, that can in fact disappear the shame, the guilt, Mm. the original trauma that might have led you to drinking, the shame that's associated with relapse and maybe letting your parents and family down, uh, the, the guilt that comes with that, and the cravings using tapping and some other techniques, we've literally disappeared the desire to drink. Mm. 
And does that happen immediately for everybody? No. Does it happen for a lot of people? Yes. Does it happen over time for a lot of people that didn't happen immediately? Yes. And so there's a, this new technology that Dave – see, Dave, when he was doing his sobriety uh, – because he, he was one of those falling down, throw up, almost you know, die in your own vomit kind of drinkers. Yeah. Um, and, you know, fall asleep and almost die of asphyxiation. He relapsed three times after after rehab. And so he said, there's got to be a better way. This doesn't work for me. And he someone gave him a Tony Robbins tape and he listened to it. And he said, oh, my God, why aren't they teaching this in rehab? And so he delved deep into Tony, discovered me, delved deep into my work and some other work. And that's what he developed his coaching program about. And so I'm not saying I love AA. AA has been extremely supportive to my children Mm -hmm. and all three of them. And, uh, you know, one of them goes to meetings probably three times a week, the other one almost daily. And the third girl is not going that often, but she's, her sobriety is really solid right now because she's also used some of these techniques. And, um, but I think for a lot of people, you know, when, when I was, I don't know if you know who Tommy Rosen is. We were talking yeah. and Tommy Rosen has a recovery 2.0 or 3.0, mm-hmm. whatever he calls it. And he was saying when he realized something was amiss and why he created what he was creating was that he was getting his 20 year chip and he was hugging his sponsor and his sponsor said, you're one in 10,000. And he said, what do you mean? He said, you're one in 10,000 who started AA who makes it 20 years. And he said, that's not a good statistic. There's got to be some other yeah, alternatives yeah, here. Yeah. So so for, for, for my children, AA has been really helpful. I think a lot of rehab centers are doing really good work because more and more are now starting to, to in, in, uh, integrate this work into their work. Like there's a place called Safe Passages up in um, San Francisco. All their trainers have come to my trainings and integrated this work into what they're doing. Uh, The head of that group, when he first saw my book, said, this is ridiculous. You can't tell a person it's possible to cut back. And then when he went through my program and he, he saw what we were doing, he said, you know, I probably turned away thousands of people yeah. that I could have helped because they said they weren't ready to totally quit. And what we discovered was that if you tell someone they have to quit, a lot of people just won't even engage the program because they can't imagine life without alcohol. They'll be anxious in social situations. The pain of the feelings that come up that they don't know how to deal with. All of that stuff it seems unbearable to them. So it's just like, I don't even want to play. But if you give them that promise that they can, what happens is by the end of the 30 days, or some people do it 60 days, they do it every other day, the lessons, what happens is 95% of the people realize they have to quit and they can quit. Maybe only 5% actually do cut back and they cut back successfully. So I think, you know, that's been the response. The, the most positive response we've gotten, Shane, is from addiction counselors, people who make their living counseling people, their psychotherapists in private practice, whatever. And they're saying these techniques are so helpful. It gives my clients something to do in between sessions because the way the book's structured, it's literally 30 days of activities, of journal writing, of meditations, of, uh, you know, visualizations, of forgiveness exercises, et cetera, that cumulatively build up over time and therefore allow you to get rid of all the stuff that's holding the drinking in place. I love it too because I think it's so I think it's so relevant and I think it's so fair to say there's a lot of people out there who may be stuck in that middle maybe that middle ground where they don't know they know inside in their gut maybe that they're drinking too much um, mm-hmm. maybe they're not at that point where they're an alcoholic 
but they're right in the mm-hmm. middle. And Larry Hagner and right. I talked about this a little bit. Unfortunately, AA has a stigma around it. Unfortunately, I love AA. It's sa- it saved my life. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and I have many friends. Um, same same as you. I think your your sons. It's helped your sons. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time, there's many people out there who are are not even willing to give it a shot because of all of the because of the stigma around it. I guess so. I like the fact that there's an alternative here of maybe a combination of a few different things here. And mm-hmm. I think whether we're alcoholic, whether we're, um, whether we're addicts, there are, there are very similar aspects of, of this in just, and a lot of the work you do too, in just rebuilding the mind, setting up, um, visualization techniques, uh, learning how, learning how to have a positive attitude, really to put it simple. Um, mm-hmm. How how do you use like what are some of the specific things in the book that um, that really kind of coincide the the alcoholic part or the um, or the alcoholism or the just drinking too much and then those positive reinforcements like visu- uh, visualization and those types of techniques. Sure, I'll answer that. Let me just first comment on the, uh, the the thing that you don't have to be an alcoholic like a full blown addict to get value out of this book. There are the statistics now, I forget the exact numbers, but it's like, uh, you know, one out of every three people in America is an excessive drinker. And that means you're just drinking too much. And so some people need to cut back. We have a lot of people, for example, the woman that did the graphics for us when we put together the book, she was a fitness instructor, but she was drinking two glasses of wine every night with dinner. Not a full-blown alcoholic, could stop after two glasses, but she basically said, when I was reading this book, I thought, what if I were to just stop for 30 days? We talk about the 30-day uh, detox, the 30-day challenge, the 30-day you know, alcoholic fast, if you will, and we, I just finished that for myself because I wanted to do it along with a lot of people. We called it the 30-day uh, challenge, and we had literally tens of thousands of people all across America who are not necessarily alcoholics just saying, I'm not going to drink for one month. Yeah. Yeah. And the research shows that your liver gets a break, your kidney gets a break, your brain gets a break, you know, all of the things in your body get to kind of reboot if you do that. And a lot of people after 30 days, including the woman I just mentioned who did the graphics for the book, she's now not drunk for a year. And she was she said, you know, I was coming home having those two drinks. I was I was watching TV. I wasn't talking to my kids that much. I wasn't exercising. I wasn't reading. And my life was just kind of this, you know, trance like state. And she said, I realized this wasn't really the best thing for me. So she said, I've cut back, perhaps permanently, I don't know. But so for a lot of people, it's just, you know, like, let's just give it a break for a while or cut back a lot. So that works as well. So also my house sitter who sits for me and watches my dogs when I go on long trips with my wife, which we're going to do next week, actually for a week, um, she has an eating problem. She's a binge eater. And so... She picked up the book just because it was sitting on my kitchen table and said, I wonder if this would relate to this. So she's been using it to stop binge eating, and it's been very successful for that. And we've had people use it for stopping smoking as well. I think for something as intense as heroin, uh, you know, you might need something a little more strong than this just because of the detox component that's required. Yeah. Um, but but anyway, the, the reality is the book – is designed to take you through day by day, and you can do it once a day, you can do it every other day, or what we say every other, every third day, so it could be a 30, 60, or 90 day program, but that you commit to one of those those sequences, and then each day, it takes about an hour to read the chapter and do the exercise, or go to the website and do the exercise if it's guided there. Uh, we say, this is the new happy hour. Instead of getting drunk, 
uh, during that hour, do this exercise and do it sober. And, um, and so what happens is people start with the, the, what we call the purpose solution. They identify, you know, what is your purpose of your life and the purpose for you for this next 30 days that you want to fulfill. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have never really identified their purpose. They're kind of like just floating through life, never really having identified what is the essence of their contribution that they want to make or who they want to be, how they want to express themselves. We also go into the next day, uh, something called the pendulum solution, where we look at how most people relate drinking with pleasure and not drinking with pain. And so by using an NLP technique of having going five years into the future or 10 years in the future, if you don't stop drinking, what's that going to look like? For most people, it looks like bloated belly. It looks like <laughs> out of shape. Yeah. It looks like perhaps I've lost my job. I maybe have lost my marriage. I mean, what got Dave to finally sober up, at least go to rehab for the first time, was that his wife said, if you don't stop drinking, I'm taking the kids and we're out of here. Yeah. And that got his attention. You know, my dad, it was an automobile accident that got his attention. And so, you know, a bridge abutment will get your attention if you're driving at it at 60 miles an hour with your head down because you've, you're, you know, that could end your life. And so we then look at what would your life look like if you stopped drinking and we, and it's, you know, that you still got your job, you got your family, you're having fun, you're exercising, you're in shape, you know, blah, 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 blah. And we begin through using this technique very skillfully to get you to associate drinking with pain and being sober with pleasure. And that takes a few days for that to really lock in, but that's, that's one of the techniques. Then we look at forgiveness. Most of us are really angry. We're resentful. You know, our parents divorce or someone divorced us or our parents died. Like my wife's uh, father committed suicide when she was eight. And that created a lot of pain, a lot of suffering uh, in her life until she got that handled. And up until recently, she was angry at him for that. And then now she has compassion. She realizes that he was in great pain and didn't have the skills. And one of the phrases I learned doing these podcasts for the book was skills, not pills. If we can learn, if we can learn skills to modulate and handle our emotions rather than taking pills to numb out our emotions, yeah. uh, you know, we can be a lot more effective at life. So forgiving uh, is one of those things we have to learn to such do. A, and it's such a, a tough thing to do too, that forgiveness part, because those, a lot of those resentments for many of us are so deep. I mean, I'm, I'm still, I'm dealing with some of them right now from, um, you know, from childhood issues. Sure. And I, and I, I had thought by, by kind of removing myself from a certain person that, that maybe they would go. And this is after, you know, I mean, years of therapy and, and I'm still, you know, going through right. it. those resentments, right. man, they just run deep. And so it's a constant, it's a constant battle, um, yeah. you know, to, to, to address them and, and, and to really work on them, work on self. Well, one of the wonderful techniques, I don't know if you're uh, familiar with it, but it's called tapping, EFT tapping. Yeah, that, that was one of the questions techniques. I had for you, actually. What, so what is tapping? Yeah. And Because you've already mentioned it a couple times. Yeah. I hadn't heard of it till recently. Uh, can you talk about it a bit? Sure, sure. It's, it's actually day 13 in our book. We actually teach people how to do that. It's called the tapping solution. And what happens is that about 20-some years ago, a guy named um, – oh, God, what is his name? Harville – no, it's not Harvard Hendricks. Anyway, a guy whose name is escaping me at the moment invented something <laughs> called the five-minute phobia cure. Uh -huh. He had a secretary who was phobic of water, uh 
And all phobias come from, you know, early childhood experiences of something bad happening. Maybe, you know, you fell in the pool and somebody jumped on you and you lost your breath and you couldn't breathe for a while. And so now you're phobic of water. And he loved to dictate by his um, by his uh, pool. And so he couldn't get his secretary to come on and take dictation. So he went and studied everything he could find on getting rid of phobias. And he discovered that if we tap on certain acupuncture points on the head and the body, uh, that you can literally disappear fear in five minutes or less. Phobias, like, you know, fear of heights, fear of fire, fear of drowning, all this stuff. A guy named Gary Craig came along and he simplified it and made it popular. He called it emotional freedom technique, EFT. And you're tapping on these points. There are nine points, one on the top of the head, between the two eyebrows, on the side of the eye, underneath the eye, up under the bridge of the nose, on the cleft of the chin, something called the collarbone point down near your collarbone, and then under your arm and the uh, under the arm point. And then there's also what they call the carotid chop point here. And do, doing this in the correct sequence while you're uh, focusing on the fear or the resentment in this case, any negative emotion from fear, anxiety, shame, guilt, anger, resentment, uh, all those feelings can literally be disappeared. I mean, literally wow. just disappeared. Uh, give you an example. I was running a workshop in Bali and there was this guy from Australia and his wife, he had been a TV producer and he'd had a um, stroke. And so he was literally in one of those motorized wheelchairs uh-huh. and she'd been taking care of him. He was this dynamic young guy. And all of a sudden she's now, you know, taking care of this guy who can hardly move or speak. And he came to our seminar. He was and, and, you know, they're only a few years into their marriage. And she started, she wanted to work on the resentment that she had toward him. And we started tapping. We didn't get even down to the collarbone point. And she started to laugh. And she said, I said, why are you laughing? She said, it's gone. She said, I've been harboring this anger and this resentment for, for months. I'm just so, she said, but it's gone. I'm just sitting here loving this guy right now. We didn't even finish the thing. So we have you know, stories in the book about a guy who was addicted to a six-pack of beer every night minimum. And um, he started tapping. And after two weeks, he noticed that guys were coming over to his garage where he was a mechanic. And they bring in a six-pack of beer. And he didn't want one. Hmm. And all of a sudden, the craving was gone. So how how long do you do the ta- the tapping for? Is it just a sequence for just a, it's a few minutes and then a often, day? Or? Yeah. Well, here's the deal. For something uh, like, you know, an anger or resentment, if it's not a major thing, like somebody didn't invite you to the party, they cut you off on the freeway, you can disappear that in three minutes. Uh, for something that's, you know, a longstanding trauma, like maybe your father raped you when you were a child or your big brother did or a gang rape or whatever, the trauma from that might take three or four sessions of maybe 10 or 15 minutes of tapping. Uh-huh. I've seen it happen even faster. We had a guy whose dad was extremely violent and sexually abusive to him when he was a kid. And in about a seven minute tapping session, it disappeared wow. uh, and it didn't come back. And the nice thing about cravings, like craving for alcohol, drugs, whatever, uh, we can do that same tapping. And you just, first of all, you get, you close your eyes. And I'm, I'm not trying to teach people to do this over the phone, meaning yeah. <laughs> the you could learn it this way. Uh, if you want to learn it, simply go to YouTube and type in tapping and you'll see either EFT tapping or there's an actress named somebody tapping will come up, but mm-hmm. you know, on the first couple of pages and there are probably hundreds of uh, videos that teach you how to tap. Um, they're basically tapping people trying to get you to know they exist, but you can literally learn it in 10 minutes. I have a book also called tapping into ultimate success. 
I wrote it with Pam Bruner, a tapping expert, and it comes with a 90-minute video demonstrating how to tap and shows you us working with different people, tapping on some of their issues. Uh, very so, powerful. So obviously there's a lot of support, uh, support or there's a lot of examples and evidence that supports that tapping oh, yeah. um, tapping oh, works. Yeah. I, and I, but I got to say at the same time, it just sound, I'm going to look into it more definitely. Um, yeah. It just sounds, it's, it sounds crazy. Like it, like really, it sounds so simple and yeah. so easy and weird. And it can't be that simple. And yeah. it sounds weird and woo woo. Here's the deal. There is so much research on this. Now there's a guy named Dawson church who wrote a book called the genie in your genes. Mm-hmm. And he's probably the number one researcher. They're using it for PTSD for soldiers coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan. It's the only thing other than transcendental meditation that has any research actually having any success with post-traumatic stress syndrome from um, coming from the military. It's been used. He actually did a, a, a workshop with, I think it was 68 nurses. They brought in chocolate, alcohol, cigarettes, uh, anything that was legal that they could bring into the workshop they had them take off the wrappers, open the bottles, smell it, get really like, I got to have it. Yeah. And then they did tapping for about 12 minutes and nobody wanted any of it. Wow. Uh, and so there's just research after research. So literally you could go to a party and all of a sudden that urge to have the wine, the, the, the alcohol, whatever, you know, shot of tequila, yeah. whatever it might be. You just go into the bathroom and you tap. And there are all kind of apps. You can actually buy tapping apps on the iPhone. And it just, you know, you just go along with the, um, the order of the app. Yeah, I have yeah. one. There's numbers of people who do. And um, it's really, really, really simple. Yeah, that, and it works. That, and I use it. I used to do interventions with people when I was a psychotherapist and then when I was leading transformational groups that would take like an hour and a half to go through. And then they have to come back week after week after week to uh-huh. get rid of like a phobia. If I, I do this now with 500 people in a seminar. I did it with 8,000 people in India in a, wow. in a Amway Herbalife. It was an Herbalife seminar, a big multi-level marketing. And we tapped out 8,000 fears in about 15 minutes. <laughs> Gosh, All that's, that's unbelievable. Because you do it to yourself. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's pretty cool, man. I'll look into it. I'll have to, I, I'm, I'm curious, too, for the listeners out there, uh, uh, send, send some feedback in if you, if you uh, try yeah. this. And I, I'd love to love to see how it works. I, I want to switch gears with you uh, real quick here too, Jack. Well, let me say, let, let sure. me say this before you switch gears. It sure. is in my book, chapter 13 of uh, the 30 day sobriety solutions, the whole chapter, the techniques outlined. There's a vi- two videos, one by Dawson church, who I mentioned, and one by Nick Ordner who wrote the book, the tapping solution. Both of those are on our free website that take you through specifically designed tapping sequences for alcoholism and for cravings. So all of that's available um, awesome. to you. But anyway, I think this was in, in chapter four or five, something, something really stuck out to me and, and it was, um, and it's been talked about before by many different people, I think, but they, the King's reflection or the alcoholic yes. King, um, one of, one of my favorites, cause it's so relevant. And I can remember so many times sitting out in my, in my chair, in my garage, you know, late at night or, um, and, and just, and just drinking and just drinking and drinking and having these visualizations of what I'm going to do and why I can't do this because it's this person's fault or one day I'm going to be here, my finances, all these, all these different types of, um, of, of dreams, I guess. Right. Right. And so I, I would love to hear a little bit more of, of, of your take on the King's reflection only because I know it's so relevant to so many out there. And I, my hope is that maybe someone listening will say, you know what? I never looked at it from that perspective before and, it, and a light bulb might go off. Well, basically the idea is that, you know, we all, when we're drinking, 
we get into this state like we're really amazing. You know, like it's that kind of it's the guy that when he's drunk thinks he can dance better than he can dance, <laughs> and because he's drunk, he goes out and he dances even worse than he's he normally terrible. could. Yeah. Sober because he was so terrible, <laughs> and so in that peak state of you know that high that you can get to with alcohol. Uh, or a drug, uh, basically you think you can do anything. And so you are sitting there like dreaming about, you know, the day you're going to be a rock star or you're going to have your own TV show or you're going to be a millionaire, whatever. And then the problem is you wake up the next day and you're hungover and you don't have the energy to do the things you need to do. And then sometime around five o'clock or maybe even earlier for people, you know, that, that, that hangover is getting to be really a bummer. So now I'm going to drink to get rid of the hangover and it starts all over again and we can sit there. And I know one of the frustrations of spouses of people is that when their husband or wives are in that state, they're just talking about all the great things they're going to do. And they're sitting there going, yeah, I've heard this before. And so, you know, it's this illusion that you create. And then because of the fact that you not getting enough sleep and you're hungover and so forth, you just don't have the energy to actually do yeah. it. So it's this mirage that keeps rising on the edge of the desert that keeps you stuck. And and when I when I got sober, I started I started studying a bit more and and I've really been able to use visualization and a lot of things have happened since then, right? So how yeah. so to the person out there listening, how do you how do you use visual, uh, visualization to achieve goals without getting it confused, like as the alcoholic king, if that makes sense? Like, what's what's the difference? Well, the the the, the difference is that when you're sober, you know, you have the ability <clears throat> because you can do the things you need to do to make it happen. Yeah. So there's nothing yeah. wrong with visualizing things. I and mean, we all as kids, you know, we fantasize what we're going to be when we grow up, whether it was be an astronaut or a football player or, a you know, a, a millionaire real estate developer or a doctor or whatever it was. You know, we had and that's that's healthy. That, that's what we're supposed to do. It gives us momentum. Yeah, yeah. It gives us forward drive. And when you have visualization, three things occur when you visualize that most people don't realize. Number one, when you visualize something you don't have, it creates in your brain something called um, uh, structural tension or cognitive dissonance. So I'm sitting here, mm-hmm. let's say, and I close my eyes and I visualize I'm in Hawaii living in this beautiful house on the beach. But my rational cognitive mind you know, comes in and goes, hey, stupid, you're, you're in Santa Barbara in your office. You're not in Hawaii. Now, if I keep visualizing every day for a few minutes, and we recommend first thing in the morning, right before you go to bed at night, because you're the most suggestible to your subconscious, uh, you're in that relaxed state, Uh then what happens is your brain eventually goes, wow, he's not giving up on this. Uh, In order to get rid of this tension, because he keeps creating it in the brain here, we better figure out how to get him to Hawaii. So then the brain does three things. Number one, it opens up doors of perception. So you have in the bottom of your brain something called the reticular activating system, and that reticular activating system acts as a filter. It's like the concierge or the body. It's like the guard at the White House. You know, if you've got a pass, you're going to get in. If you know Obama, if you're Ron Emanuel, the mayor of Chicago, who used to be his chief of staff, you're going to get in. Uh-huh. But if you're Jack Canfield or you're Shane, you're not going to get in because we have no business being there. Yeah. So what happens right now? It's working in your brain right now. And here's how I'll illustrate it. You're not aware of what you're feeling in your right foot, but as soon as I say it, you can feel it. Yeah. So that signal was coming up through your leg into your brain and being filtered out because it's not important right now. However, 
if you all of a sudden have to go to the bathroom and that urge starts to come up into your consciousness, it overrides everything else and comes up and you go, hmm, I need to go to the bathroom. So what we want to do is we want to open up that filter so it starts to see resources that were always in our environment that we never saw before. Wow. Like, you know, one of the stories I tell in the movie The Secret was about when I decided I wanted to make $100,000 in one year, didn't know how to do that. But my mentor, W. Clement Stone, who was a multimillionaire, said, look, you don't have to know how, you have to know what. If you visualize having it, the what will show up. I mean, the how will show up. So I started visualizing every morning. hundred. I put a $100,000 bill on my ceiling. I just made one up and uh -huh. threw it up there. But to remind me to close my eyes and visualize living a $100,000 a year lifestyle. So about 30 days into it, and you've got to do this for about 30 days. There is now research called the 30-day principle, and you can't skip a day. It's like AA. If you are sober for a year and you get drunk for a day, and then you're sober <laughs> for another day, you've not you been sober over. for a year and a day. You are sober for a day. <laughs> yeah. And the same thing's true with visualization and affirmations and all that. You want to make That's why we call this 30-day sobriety solution something you need to do every day for 30 days. And one of the things is visualization. And so what happens is, 30 days into it, I'm in the shower and I get this idea. Hey, you've got a book. Every It was a, called 100 Ways to Enhance Self-Concept in the Classroom. It was a book for teachers. And every time someone bought that book, I made a quarter. I got 25% royalty. So if I sold 400,000 books, I would make $100,000. Now, I didn't know how to do that yet, but at least I had a leverageable um, thing I could do. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm in my grandmother's bathroom and I see the Reader's Digest and it says 4 million readers weekly. Now I've been in my grandmother's bathroom about every week for years, never saw the Reader's Digest because it was filtered out by my brain. But yeah. once I had this goal, I looked down, it says 8 million readers in 37 languages. I went, wow, if 8 million readers knew about my book, certainly 400,000 people would buy it. I called up Reader's Digest. We looked about <laughs> articles in there. We looked at the ads. Anyway, all these ideas started flowing into my head and I started seeing things out in the world that I could do. Long story short, I went from making $8,000 in one year to $92,000. Missed it by wow. $8,000, not a big freaking deal. My wife was Damn so close. thrilled. She said, do you think it'll work for a million? I said, yeah, and if you were in my <laughs> workshop, I would show you a check that was written to me a few years later for $1,138,000, which was the first royalty check for Chicken Soup for the Soul. So the reality is, affirmations and visualization work if you do them. Sometimes we set a goal with a deadline, like I'm gonna be a millionaire by this date, we don't hit that date, but for me, every goal I've ever set and visualized, I have achieved, uh, including, you know, right now we're on track to sell a billion books, that was our goal uh, by 2020, yeah. and we're on track to do that. We set a goal last year to train one million people to train the success principles, which this book, The 30-Day Sobriety Solution, is based on. I have another book called The Success Principles. And what happens is we set a goal to train one billion people to teach this work by the year 2030. And we started in November. We now have 1,500 people certified, and that's in just a little oh, under eight man, months. That's crazy. People in 79 countries now. So we have an online certification program that anyone can participate in. And we're getting people from Iraq and China and, you know, Bosnia and South yeah. Africa. Which I'm never going to get to go to, yeah. you know, I mean, I'll go to some <laughs> of those places. I just have uh, I have one more one more question for you, man. And I want to sure. respect your time. I really appreciate you coming on. No today. Problem. What advice can you give the newcomer, someone out there who maybe knows they have a problem with alcohol? Maybe they don't. Maybe they're right in the middle and they're just kind of teetering back and forth. Uh, Jack, what would you tell them? Well, if you're right in the middle and you're teetering back and forth, I would say, let's see if you could go two weeks to a month without drinking. 
if you can't go 30 days without drinking, you've probably got an alcoholic problem. And so whether you're a genetic alcoholic or you're someone who's just become dependent on the state that helps you numb out your feelings that you don't want to feel or helps you not have to deal with looking at your life that's not what you want it to be and you don't see the way out yet, so you just give up. Uh, you know, I would say get my book for starters, this, you know, the 30 day sobriety solution, cause it is something you can walk yourself through in 30 days. The other thing I would do is you've got to find somebody out there that you can be a support system with. Now, AA is one way to do that. If you don't want to go to AA and we were talking about that earlier, a lot of young people just don't want to go. I yeah, see that a lot. Yeah. A lot of the college graduates who come out of college, they've been binge drinking every weekend. Now they got a job. Maybe they're getting into a marriage. They're binge drinking, starting to get in the way a little bit of that. Yeah. They want to cut back, uh, but they don't want to go to AA or they don't, they, want to, they don't want rehab on their record, if you will. They don't can't afford it. Um, but you do need to have some kind of support. So what we recommend is that's why we have the, the website which has a chat group. We go in there ourselves and respond to questions and, and we have a counselor who does that as well. A uh, lot of support there, but reach out to someone else. Maybe go through the program together or even if it's just your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whatever, let them know you're doing it. Have them do it. Just on, have them go through the exercises with you even if they don't have a drinking problem. There's something about doing something together. It's like we don't go scuba diving without a partner, yeah. you know, because if our tank gets in trouble, we want someone we can, you know, we've seen in the movies where they pass the mouthpiece back and <laughs> yeah. forth. And, you know, the nice thing about having a friend doing something like this with you or having a coach, that's why AA and rehab is valuable when you do it, is that you've got someone to hold your hand when you start to, when it starts to get a little shaky, someone right. to remind you why you're doing it. Accountability. Yeah. And um, I promise you, if you go through this book and you do the exercises, that each day about that time you're thinking you need a drink, do the exercise. You'll find at the end of the exercise you don't need that drink and by the end of the 30 days you'll find that you're in a new space altogether in relationship to you and your relationship with alcohol. And more importantly than this, than the alcohol, the alcohol is a symptom. Yes. It's a symptom of a deeper issue that's not being addressed, whether it's the dissatisfaction with your life, the fact that you're in a crappy relationship and don't know how to make it work or get out, or some emotions you've never learned how to experience and feel without you know, feeling like you're going to be overwhelmed, um, whatever it is, all of that's going to get handled. So that's the extra payoff. And then your life, you live it, you live it from uh, intention and productivity and joy rather than from a place of fear and from a place of feeling like you're hostage to something you have no control over. A 30-day sobriety solution. Check it out. Amazon. Uh, is it jackcanfield.com as well, Jack? Yeah, jackcanfield.com for me, uh, amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com to get the book. And also uh, 30daysolution.com, 30no-30daysolution.com to go check out our website. Jack, hey, thank you so much for coming on today, man. I appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure, Shane. Thanks for having me, man. All You're right. doing good work for a lot of people. Keep it up. Hey, thank you. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode with Jack Canfield. Once again, check out Foundations Recovery Network and I Am Sober if you're looking for a sobriety tracker app. Sign up at thatsoberguy.com for the members-only email list with resources and get access to the free six quick tips to quit drinking guide as well as the private Facebook group. Much love to you all. You guys help keep me sober, and I hope in turn I can help provide some good resources to you to help keep you on the horse as well. Peace, love, respect. Keep your blood clean.